Hello and welcome back to the Gucci Podcast. Created in collaboration with Vogue, this special episode presents The Awakening, a film series featuring Florence Welch and Jodie Turner-Smith that celebrates the Gucci Bloom fragrances. Empowerment can come from many sources. By definition, it is the process of gaining strength and confidence. This evolution, blooming into your true self, leads to connection to the senses, emotions, and indeed the world around you. In a new series of films for Vogue, the charismatic women of the Gucci Bloom family explore empowerment from within themselves, reminiscing on stories of their own personal awakening. Celebrating their strength, power and continued evolution as women, the first films in the Awakening series see Jodie Turner-Smith and Florence Welsh in moments of poise and performance as well as rest and reflection. Each is seen delicately spraying Gucci Bloom Eau de Toilette at the clavicle and pulse points as they reflect upon the myriad possibilities their moments of awakening have raised and they bloom into their true selves. In the first act... Florence Welsh describes the realisations that have shaped her creative processes and her personality. Here we hear Florence speak on her own strength, power and continued evolution. In terms of working, in a way I think a songwriter is always at work because you are constantly kind of picking up snippets of conversations and things from books and... I think some songwriters do go to work and I do have that like I write a lot of lyrics at home but I have a really nice desk and a study that I've decorated with all things and I have never once sat down to write a song like songs come in bursts in the kitchen or randomly and to actually sit down and have the discipline to just write down a song I know songwriters who can do that I think why that's difficult for me is because I think I have to actually remove myself from my house to go and create the songs in a disciplined way because the house for me is also an extension of an art form so I know people who can have home studios and work for home but when I'm at home I'm like well I'm in another project so I have to focus on this project and then I have to go to the studio to like commit to the less visual world so yeah I think In some ways, I'm always working on expressing myself in so many different ways that it's everything feels like a creative act, I think. So, yeah, the actual like going to work, I'm not sure when that happens. I mean, I've always loved dressing up and fantasy and I think I had a very rich in a world since I was a child and for me even the clothes that I wear are a kind of extension of the imagination I think of fashion as a kind of like wearing your inner spirit outside your body <laughs> you know, of like how I guess I always wanted to exist out of time and slightly out of reality I think because I just found reality so hard <laughs> So for me, clothes were a form of escape and of escaping into kind of a dream world for myself, I think, and making the things that I had read in books. You know, when I was young, I was obsessed with Victorian ghost stories and superheroes and mermaids and... I lived in a kind of half dream world. And so I think I walk around in life as kind of 
partly still in that dream you know it was about like the clothes allowed me to live out those dream worlds I think and it's a hugely creative thing for me getting dressed which is sometimes why I can't do it because it takes a lot of thought and sometimes I'm like well I guess it's pajamas for a couple of days because I've completely run out of any creative steam and I putting an outfit together is like one more bit of creativity that I don't have When I was young, I don't quite remember wanting to be a singer. I think the first thing I remember was wanting to be a mermaid because they sang. The two were completely tied together for me when I was young. But yeah, I think a lot of my first desires for singing came from The Little Mermaid. And I think the first things that I remember from singing was that it made me feel incredibly calm And I wouldn't say I was a calm person or someone who operates from a place of peace. Normally, I'm incredibly anxious. I was a really anxious child as well, terrified of everything, absolutely convinced that ghosts were real, vampires were real, werewolves were real. I remember being trapped in the hallway as a six-year-old because I'd been scared to stay in my bedroom because I was convinced it was full of vampires. But then I was assuming that the hallway was full of ghosts and I couldn't go into my parents' room because they were probably werewolves. (laughs) So it just was so... My imagination was a place of escape, but also one of just complete terror all the time because things were so vivid for me. And then I remembered I would sing and I loved musicals those were my first loves and I would just sing all the numbers and I remember something switching on of like okay I have to perform now and the song was kind of stronger than my own feelings I think or any fear and there was just something that I could do it like I had something there that would carry me through almost any situation which was singing. For me actually getting older and wiser and getting into my 30s has been an awakening in a sense I feel like you start to know yourself so much better and there's so much noise around getting older especially for women but I found it really liberating actually like the older I get the more self-assured I feel and the more confident I feel in my work and the more able I am to have the last word in work and in life and to know you know what really matters to me and what I find beautiful and what I find inspiring and the kind of music and art I want to make has never felt so clear so I feel like with age and experience there's this clarity there's this like razor sharp clarity appearing and I think when you're younger it's like you're operating in a fog I mean There's a lot to be said for the kind of youthful chaos of making work then. But I think you doubt yourself so much more. You're always doubting, like, should I have done this or that? Or was that the right decision? And I feel with getting into being a creative person and getting into my 30s, it's like this strength is emerging. And that feels really new for me, actually. (laughs) It's kind of amazing. And I feel like I know so much more what I actually want and how I want to express myself and I feel like I can take everything that I learned in my 20s and all my mistakes and all my creative experiments and use it all now in a way that I feel so much more um, in charge of so I feel like in some ways I feel at sort of the peak of my creativity which is unexpected because you know it's still rare in music but especially for women to carry on and keep making and creating and you know you're kind of sold these myths that 
over 35 or whatever, suddenly it's all going to like drop off or change. And actually it's the time that I felt most prolific and full of creativity. So what's been an awakening is that the milestones that I thought were supposed to be somehow bad or the end of something were actually really like the beginning of finding out who I was. It's weird for someone who's like so open and exposed on stage in front of so many people my alone time is actually so precious to me I really need solitude kind of like I need air I have to be able to retreat back to that dream world you know if I'm gonna pull stuff out and make them flesh and create like my imagination physically outside of myself I need a lot of time to retreat back into that dream world and rest and think and read and watch like a thousand episode of 90s television and just to process because I think I'm sensitive and the world can feel like it's coming at me at a thousand miles an hour and being alone with my books and my sort of collection of precious objects my kind of curation of the mini museum that I'm organizing in my house it's kind of where I feel safe and I can regroup Now I actually really enjoy my own company. I think there was a period of time, especially when I was more chaotic and drinking and partying, that I couldn't be alone for one second. And now I think I really like my own company and it's easier for me to sit with my own head because there's less like screaming (laughs) inside there. So yeah, being able to just light candles and have a bath, read a book, and that kind of grounding solitude is kind of essential for me. So I have had writer's block. I had it when all creative endeavours were kind of like the plug was pulled on everything in in 2020 because I was in the flow of creating a record and then um, suddenly everything stopped and I had been writing a lot. And then for me, um, songwriting is where I go to access my subconscious and where I go to access my feelings and I remember going to the piano and trying to start writing a song and trying to sit down and and I burst into tears because I didn't have words yet to process what was happening and you need time and distance from things for the subconscious or the creative subconscious to do its work and at that moment there was nothing there was no words nothing so I think sometimes in the face of enormous things that you're right in the middle of there are no words and there are no songs that you can sing about it but they come it's just that you have to process things and they have to like drift down to your subconscious then they will come back up to the surface but I used to like write a lot from periods of crisis and chaos but that was usually my own doing and I would find writing about like relationship dramas or my own drama cathartic But there did also come a period of time when I was so chaotic that it got in the way of writing as well because what I thought was a creative force of destruction was just destruction. (laughs) I was like, it's not making anything now. So I've had periods where because of my own mess, I've not been able to write. But also I think when a crisis feels so huge, I think it takes such a long time to be able to find language for it and for a long time in sort of 2020 I couldn't find any language I just cleaned (laughs) and was very domestic which is incredibly unlike me and I didn't write anything I think for me getting to wake up 
without a hangover almost every day is like a mini miracle because I struggled with that for so many years. And so now it sounds crazy, I think, to people who haven't experienced it. But for me, just getting to wake up and have a cup of coffee and look out of the window at the morning, knowing where I was the night before and what I did. And I never forget that that is miraculous for me. And, you know, there used to be that dread at getting up and not knowing how you were going to get through the day. And I mean, I still have that in some ways, ways sometimes, but now the ritual of like making coffee, watching the birds, like letting the morning be a morning when I live my life so differently for so long, you know, my life used to be getting up and being like, oh my God, what happened? Where did I put my phone? Who is that? (laughs) So getting up and that the mornings are peaceful now. And I love that. It's my favorite time of day, just when everything is quiet and there's foxes that sleep in my garden and they they come back from their night out on the town and they go to sleep in the back of my garden and so they're kind of ending their day and I'm waking up and I watch them sleeping in the sun and listen to the birds and have a coffee and slowly wake up and I think I'm so lucky and I'm so grateful because my life was not like that for so long and it's really the simple things I think if you've been through any kind of journey like that you know you come to this appreciate the simple things so much more of just watching the seasons change too so I never used to notice the seasons my life was too chaotic I would blink and it would be a different season or a different time and Now I feel like I notice when the crocuses are coming up and I notice when the snowdrops are appearing. I feel so much more like I'm part of the world, not trying to constantly escape it. And I'm part of the cycle of the world. And before I was just trapped in my own cycle of kind of destruction and chaos. Yeah, now I feel like I could be much more like just aware of the leaves turning brown and then green again and you know the the moon is always beautiful to me the sky is always beautiful to me and I am always blown away by the world now that I'm less afraid by it you know I always have almost like a childlike reaction to the moon in the sky like that's never left me maybe the childlike terrors never left me but also the childlike awe so I guess I should be grateful that that's there, even though it makes my life difficult sometimes, but I never lose that sense of wonder. You know, when you're a touring artist, especially often you are in different time zones at different times of the year for different people. And you could be in summer one day and in winter the next, and your sense of time and space really turns upside down. And so when I get a chance to be off tour and to be at home, you know, there weren't many good things in the last couple of years, but one of the good things was getting to be in one place and watch the seasons change. And I I really valued that. There's something about the about the cycle of it and the, the sort of like that despite us and despite everything, nature keeps being nature. Like the leaves turn and then the crocuses grow in spring. And the thing that's astounding to me about nature is like nature carries on completely despite us. You know, <laughs> just sort of the seasons continue to change. (laughs) We haven't managed to mess that up yet. There's time, but... And there's something about getting to witness that and to be part of the cycle of the world that is really grounding for me, I think. 
the thing is a song can be finished i think an album is unfortunately never finished and you kind of have to abandon it rather than give it away like it's so painful because it's this idea that you've made a perfect thing but of course it's not perfect because nothing can ever be perfect and you should be able to work on it forever but at some point you have to let it go i find that incredibly painful and it's it's more like a severing of yourself from the work than being like woo i'm ready to give this up it never it never feels like that songs are a bit different though I think you know when a song is finished when it starts to reject further changes so when you're adding stuff and actually it's not making it better that's when you kind of know it's done and I think it would be the same for albums I find it so hard to let them go but it's when you think you've handed it over and then you actually try and make a couple more changes that actually then you're like these don't sound good it's when it starts to reject interference that you know it's done even though I never think of anything as done especially not records I think the thing I love most about performing live is that connection with not only people but with something so much bigger than me and just the transcendence of it and the moment I feel like I have kind of escaped the confines of my body and the confines of reality and but that also I've taken everyone in that moment with me And so it's that moment where you kind of feel like you have totally disappeared, but that you've also taken everyone with you. So you're all together. So it's this weird moment of being totally alone, but completely together. And I guess that is connection, like connection, not only with everyone in the room, but with some kind of force outside of myself. And there have been gigs where I've felt this moment when everything in the room was connected like me the song the building the people and there was no separation between any of it it was almost like um all of our atomic particles were vibrating at the same frequency and I could have been sleep deprived (laughs) that's that's also a thing on tour but I've really had moments of true kind of transcendence and that's not me doing it like that is the audience you can only get to that place if the audience are willing to go with you a good show is all about who's there and how open people are willing to be you can give the best performance but if people aren't willing to open up with it you can only get so far I think when everyone cracks themselves open it's just the most incredible feeling but those moments have just been incredible when you literally feel like everyone is on the same wavelength of energy but yeah that's always with a very special crowd I think Continuing the strong feminine energy of the Gucci Bloom world both films in the Awakening series are led by female crews Director Fiona Burgess filmed Florence on location at Hatfield House, Hertfordshire, while longtime collaborator Aldine Johnson styled the musician in Gucci Love Parade pieces and Alex Brownsell took care of her Titian dresses. For Jodie Towner-Smith, mothering her daughter has been an awakening. The actress is captured on film by Yumna Alarashi and styled by Francesca Cheffis. Makeup by Sheikha Daly and hair by Marcia Lee show Jodie subverting traditionally expected imagery of the stay-at-home mother in the second act of the series. Here, she reminisces upon the connectedness she feels with her body and mind since motherhood. I mean, I am motherhood now. That is the awakening. You know, you become a mother. I think before you become a mother, you are connected to motherhood as woman just because that is your birthright. 
without having really become that, it is still something that you have connection to and is in your very DNA. But the opening that comes from birthing, which then becomes an opening into that sacred knowledge, that unspoken language of motherhood that's just a being and existing, I am that now. And it's interesting because you realize that it was always in you and it was always the truth of you. But there is something that happens when you awaken where you open then completely to that idea and that energy and it becomes the truth of you in a way where you're just like, why was this knowledge even feeling so distant from me that when I walked through that door and met it, it was at both times a stranger and you. You're not the same person that you were before you. It's impossible to be the same person that you were before. A part of you has to be left behind for you to step into this next part. But there's no sort of instruction manual or one way to do it, or even a feeling that it's not even something that just happens in an instant. It is truly a becoming that never stops becoming. You don't just settle into it. It's just that's the evolution of the rest of your days now. Because I think the interesting thing about motherhood and parenting in general is that you think that it is you becoming a teacher, but you are becoming both student and teacher to it. You have to stay open to learning just as much as you have to guide learning. And that is what I think is so magnificent about it, that from the moment you become pregnant, it's a process of letting go and what that teaches you and what you learn from that. And in order to deliver, you have to let go. Labor is letting go. And it's almost as if your body makes you physically go through this lesson so that you can learn the spiritual lesson that is parenting which is when you cultivate a child, it is every day a process of letting go because they become every day something different, someone new, something more than they were the day before and ideally evolve past you. And all of that is a lesson in, in letting go because in order to let it happen, to not stifle it, to not hinder it in any way, you have to be completely open. I mean, I think that as any expansion does, it only gives you a larger well of emotional knowledge. And just there is something that is so fantastic and almost otherworldly about creating life, carrying life, bringing it into the world that just shows you that the limits that perhaps you thought I, you had, the, the limits that I thought I had don't really exist you know, that you're capable of so much. I think that's one of the biggest things that changes. And also it's just like, anytime I feel afraid of anything, I always say I brought a child into this world and pushed it out of my vagina, so nothing's scary. Nothing is scarier than feeling a child moving down the birth canal. You know, it's all at once terrifying and comforting in like your knowledge of like, wow, my body was built to do this. And I mean, I feel like we all 
talk to ourselves, whether we do it out loud or it's just in our head. I mean, the mind, it's impossible to quiet it. And it's because we are talking to ourselves. But during birthing, it was more about intentionally connecting those thoughts to, because, you know, your body is leading the way. And what you need to happen is for your mind to follow your body because your body, it holds this knowledge in it. I mean, that's the wild thing about it, but it's always our head. And in every part of life, it's always our head that talks us out of what we're doing. And so sometimes in order to align the heart and the head and the body, we just have to talk. And in a way, it's like a meditation. And I think, of course, I carry it with me. I mean, I did it before that. And I just think that when I saw the results of that in, you know, this just very literal physical experience of birthing it's just something that has only further inspired me to continue to do that but I think that when we go inside of ourselves and just really talk to whatever it is that's going on we always find more power you always find more power when you give yourself a pep talk and in the case of doing birthing I mean you're literally there's another entity that you're talking to You know, it's not just like this spiritual idea of there being another being. There is actually another being who can hear you, who can sense all of your energy, who can feel your tension, your distress, whatever it is. And so the idea is to release that by talking through it. And I think it's very much something that I carry with me into everything that I do. And, you know, it doesn't always work, but it is always useful. I don't necessarily think suddenly you have super smell, super hearing, super touch. I mean, there definitely is this crazy sixth sense, especially in the first days, weeks, months of motherhood, where you are just so in tune to this entity that was once inside of you. But I definitely think that you develop a super awareness, like, Most of us walk through life so self-absorbed, myself included, so self-absorbed. It's like, what's going on with me? And there's something about parenting that shifts your focus to thinking like, you know, there is not, I, I, I also need to know like, what's going on with this other person? And not just my child, but what's going on with my partner? What's going on with all the pieces that make this thing work? Because it's very special and careful to cultivate an individual and you need people <laughs> and resources. All of that needs your attention. So I think that I definitely pay attention in a different way and certainly to children, not just my own. You know, I just see children differently. And some people like before they become parents have this connection with children. I never did. That was just not my truth. I was always like, kids make me slightly uncomfortable I get kind of bored I don't really want to do children for a long time and I just see it differently now and see mothers differently now parents I don't know I feel like you just look at humans differently because you're basically having a front row seat to this process of a person existing and it makes you a child again as you see the world through their eyes and it makes you look at things differently because you get this wonderful opportunity to see things again for the first time, essentially, with someone else. 
always had really vivid dreams. That's been my whole life, very vivid dreams. And it's so funny because my husband, he doesn't, he never remembers his dreams. So he doesn't quite understand what it feels like to wake up from a dream to feel so vividly either the joy or the sorrow or the panic or the fear. I wouldn't say that any of that has gotten more vivid for me. It was always just hyper alive in my dreams anyway. But I think that waking life has become more vivid. In a way, there is no difference for me. I, like many people describe in dreams, when you dream how you cannot run, walk, drive away, whatever, as fast as you can in real life. Like there's something about feeling like you're moving through quicksand in a dream. But in terms of feeling, I mean, for me, and it's why it's always very interesting if I have a bad dream or something like that, because for me, there is no line between what I'm experiencing in my dream and what I experience in waking life in terms of emotion and feeling. They're very much the same. And, you know, in my dreams... Sometimes I see things that haven't happened and then that do. Sometimes I see people who have passed, they come to me in my dreams. I think if anything, in many ways in my dreams, things, certain things are more connected and I think certain things that sort of exist on the other side of the veil, if you would. But in terms of emotion and feeling, there is no line to the point where, I mean, when I wake up from dreams, sometimes I have, I have to talk to myself, to <laughs> ground myself back in reality and remember what is happening versus what is not. And then, you know, something that my mom always says is that dreams don't walk straight, meaning like in life when something happens, it's what has happened with the exception of subtext and all that stuff. But in your dreams, you know, you might see a snake in your dream but it doesn't mean what it would mean if you saw a snake in reality. It means something else that you have to then sort of decipher because a dream is an intersection of reality and your subconscious working out your reality. Everything is connected. You know, we are just as connected to each other as we are to the grass, the trees, the sky, the cosmos. I mean, it's why our planet is suffering at the moment because we are moving further away from having a connection and an integration with the earth, with animals, with every part of nature. And for me, you know, I've always wanted to, I've always enjoyed surrounding myself with plant life, with animals, with, and even animals that I don't understand I have always felt when I'm in the presence of any animal that I should speak to it. Like we are not separate. Animals can feel our energy. They also have emotion. And I believe the same of plants, trees, insects. You have to keep working on yourself. As I said earlier, like you don't just become, you are constantly becoming. And so I think when we think about all the troubles we have with our own parents, it's because humans at a certain point in time, we calcify into whoever it is that we are, whatever it is that we are. And my goal is to not do that so that I can continue to evolve with my child. I think it's really interesting because there's this weird 
societal belief that when you become a mother, so much of your womanness becomes less, which is really interesting to me because anyone who has sat beside the process of becoming a mother can tell you that there is nothing but expansion in that process and in that journey. You only become more. And I feel like I have become more. I feel like this journey that I have gone through only gives me reason for my spine to be straighter and my head to be held higher. And I also have an awareness that I am, I'm modeling expression and joy and fulfillment for my child. I want her to know that she doesn't have to choose between being fulfilled and being happy, between being a mother and having work, between being an artist and being an intellectual, between loving and having hardship in life, stress and struggle. So in many ways, I think what inspires me is what I see people say I should be. It inspires me to be more than that. It inspires me to have faith in what I witnessed in myself, the greatness that I witnessed in myself, the power that I know that I have. And just knowing that I'm cultivating this little human being who's looking to me right now for everything, that I am inspiring her to look into herself and hopefully giving her all the tools or as many of them as I can so that when she is ready to look to herself, she's full. Head to Vogue.com to immerse yourself in the Gucci Bloom world and watch the full films in the Awakening series. Thank you for listening. Discover more about The Awakening on the episode's notes. Tao